read the story uh, about some parents who were putting uh, their, their boy to bed, a little three-year-old boy. And they got this boy uh, put to bed. And just a few minutes after they had closed the door, they began to hear him screaming hysterically. So they ran back in to, to see what was the matter, and he couldn't talk because he was crying so hard. And, and finally, the little boy expressed to his parents or made it clear that, that he had swallowed a penny, and he was scared that he was about to die. And so they couldn't calm him. He continued to cry, and he was frantic. And so his dad thought, well, I think I know what to do here. And he just pulled the penny out of his pocket, and he, he reached up to his ear, and he acted like... And he pulled out a penny and he said, look, I got it. And the boy was relieved and he quit crying and he even started to laugh a little bit. And, and just moments later, the little boy reached and he pulled that penny out of his daddy's hand and he popped it back in his mouth and he said, do it again, daddy. <laughs> now, dads, we can do some awful crazy things, can't we? Sometimes they help and sometimes they don't, maybe. But what's really amazing is that as dads, God has given us such an important calling, such an incredible responsibility. And consider these sobering statistics about the effects of dad. One in three kids live in a home with, without their biological father. And these children are four times a greater risk of poverty seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager, two times more likely to drop out of high school, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to commit crime and to end up in the prison system. It's difficult to overestimate the importance of dads. Now, we know that God can work in the lives of children even if a biological father isn't present. I mean, perhaps a father's passed away or there's divorce or father's just AWOL, which is... Those are situations that are, that are so real today. We know that God can redeem those situations, that, that he can be at work in the midst of those. So we, we know that he's a father to the fatherless. So, so it's not as if these statistics tell us that there's no hope. They just remind us that, that dads have a critical role to play. So dads, how do we shape our kids to love God and to walk with him? Well, this morning we're going to look in Proverbs 4 for some direction now, we know that the book of Proverbs was written or compiled by Solomon. Some of it he wrote and some of it he, he put together uh, fr from other sources. And so it may be that what we're reading this morning is Solomon's own teaching to his son. Or it could be that Solomon just sort of pulled together this teaching uh, that was written by another. We, we don't know for sure. At any rate, what we do know is that a father is speaking to his son his sons and encouraging them to walk with the Lord. And in this text, we'll see that fathers are called to instill their faith in the lives of their children. Fathers are called to instill their faith in the lives of their children. Let's look together at Proverbs 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. 
The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Now in all of chapter 4, we're going to see three ways that fathers can instill their faith in their children. The first, coming from these verses, is set an example for your children. Set an example for your children. In verse 1, the father here says, Hear my instructions. Be attentive. Listen to what I'm saying. What we know as we look at these verses is that this father is passing down to his son what he himself had received from his own father. You see that in verse 3. He says, and suppose this is Solomon. If it's Solomon, then he's taking the words that, that his father David had given to him, and he's passing them on to his own sons. So uh, this father is saying to his children, what I'm telling you isn't new with me. What I'm telling you is what my father passed on to me. And obviously what this father Solomon or, or whichever father is speaking expects the son eventually to pass on to his own children. Not something new, but a part of the, the heritage of the family or the legacy of the family. In verse 4, or verse 3, pardon me, uh, the father says, I heard these words when I was just a little boy, when I was tender and, and precious to my mom. So, so I was where you're at, son. There was a time that I was doing just what you're doing. I was listening to my daddy as he talked to me, as he spoke to me. And there's a sense in which we get the idea that instruction within the family is most important. Why is instruction within the family most important? Why? Well, because a, a family loves their kid, loves their kid a mom or a dad is going to love their kid more than, than any teacher could ever love them. Even, even a dedicated, godly uh, Sunday school teacher or Bible study leader or, or youth leader, any, anything like that, um, who would love the, the kids that they teach and want to pour into them. But this, this mother, this father, they, they, they're tender with their son. And so it's important that a mother and a father instruct their children in the ways of the Lord. In verse 4, we, we see that the father here says, my, my dad taught me, and this is what he said. And so now the words that this dad is speaking are the words that his father spoke to him. Verse 5, get wisdom. Whatever you get, get wisdom. Now, there's lots of things in the world that, that we have a tendency to want to get. Hey, I want to get money, or I want to get this and do that and have fun and all sorts of things. But what the father is saying to his son is this. Make sure that if you do anything that you set your sights on getting wisdom. Whatever else, get wisdom. Now, now what is wisdom? Well, wisdom is the ability to, to understand and see what God would, would have you to do. In other words, knowing his word, and then with a commitment to put it into practice. It's not just knowledge, but it's knowledge that is lived out. And we see that, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, after Moses had rescued or led the people, God had actually rescued them, but after Moses had led the people out of Egypt, God gave these instructions through Moses to his people. Verse, Deuteronomy 4, verse 5, See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. 
Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding. Know these statutes and then do them. That, that's going to be your wisdom. That's, that's what wisdom is from a, a biblical perspective. So the father says to his son, whatever you get, get that. Make sure that you get this understanding of what's right and wrong with a commitment to, to live it out, to, to put it into practice. Verse 6 If you get wisdom, she will guard you. And here wisdom is personified. She she will guard you. She will protect you. She will take care of you in a sense. It's this idea that if you have an understanding of what God says, with a commitment to live it out, there will be protection there. An obvious example is this. If you drink and drive, there's a good chance that you might find yourself in a car accident and you could die. Now, it would be sinful to drink and drive. That, that's, that's wrong. We, we know that. God's word says that a person shouldn't be drunk, and it also says that we ought to follow the laws of the land, so that if a person drinks and drives, they're sinning, they're breaking God's law, and at the same time, they're putting their own life in harm's way. And that's exactly what we see here. We see that if you get wisdom, she'll protect you, because if I don't drink and drive, there's no chance of me dying in a car accident because I was drinking and driving. Wisdom will protect you. And that's just an example. There could be uh, countless examples. She will guard you. Verse 7, get wisdom whatever you get. So there's this constant emphasis in this passage on getting a hold of this wisdom. Verse 8, prize her and she will honor you. When you, when you walk in wisdom, you don't have to be ashamed. When you walk in the ways that are pleasing to the Lord, you don't have to live in fear and regret and shame. You gain the reputation of a man of integrity or a woman of integrity. You can count on, on him. He's a man who, who does what he says he'll do. You can count on her. She's a lady of honor. This is what uh, wisdom will do for you. You'll gain the reputation of being that kind of person. And so the father, ultimately in this verse, in these verses, sets an example for his son. He says, son, see, I listened. I want you to listen. I heard my father. I received what my father told me. Now you receive it. And so children, there's a word here for you. Those of you who are, who are still at home, listen to what your parents have to say. Obey them. Do what they say. That, that will be life to you. That will be help to you. So set an example for your children. Now, if you wanted to teach your son about football, you wouldn't sit him down at a table and lecture him all day and teach him about, well, this is the way that you throw the ball and tell him about it. This is the way you catch the ball and tell him about it. Here are plays. No, you'd take him outside and you'd start throwing the ball to him. And you'd start showing him how to throw and, and how to catch. You'd do it by example. You, you would teach him like that. And this is exactly how God calls us to, to be fathers. To, to live out the faith before our kids. So that it's not just words, but so that they see it. So that they see that it is real in our lives. As we reflect on on these verses, we see that the home is the central place of spiritual instruction and moral formation. It's central. So dads and moms, you you have your kids in Sunday school or in Awana and, and things like that. That's awesome and incredible. And we hope that you'll continue to do that. But please understand, as a church, all we can do is support you. 
from a biblical perspective, God has given you the weight and the responsibility of spiritually training your children, of the moral formation of your children. The church can help you, can assist you, but you have that responsibility. That, that, that lies within the home. And fathers, all throughout Scripture we see this, fathers have the central role in leading their family spiritually. Fathers, you're supposed to, to lead, to step up. We're supposed to, to, to say to our wives, hey, let's read the word together, to say to our families, let's study the Bible together, let's pray together. We are supposed to take lead spiritually. But I think as we reflect on this passage, we see that, that dads, we have this role, but I think we see that we have the responsibility to do it with tenderness and with some sensitivity. And what you see here is you see the heart of a father. This is not a guy who's saying, sit down, son, I'm going to tell you what to do. You do this, you do that, don't do this. None of that's here. It's not like that. No, he's being tender with this boy, teaching him. So there needs to be a sensitive, uh, uh, there needs to be a, a sensitivity to the children and a, and a tenderness toward the children, not this mean despot, but a godly man who loves the Lord and, and who wants to pass that on to his kids. Fathers, our actions are always communicating to our children what we really believe about God. Our actions are always communicating to our children what we really believe about God. They're teaching our children about what to prioritize. They're teaching our children about what to value. They're teaching our children about what it means to, to really do right in this situation or in that situation. I, I heard a pastor who once said, what you do is what you believe and all the rest is just talk. And if that's true in any situation, and surely it is, it's certainly true in the family. What you do is what you believe, and all the rest is just talking, and kids get this. Dads, we need to remember that kids see this. They're, they're always analyzing us, whether we like it or not. They're always picking up what matters and what, what life is about from us. It's an incredible opportunity. It's also an incredible responsibility. So we've seen that fathers instill their faith in their children by setting an example. Now let's look together in Proverbs 4, beginning in verse 10. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in... The way of the evil, avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble so these verses remind us that you instill faith in your children when you teach your children, when you teach them, when you purposely teach them the words of God. In verse 10, he says, Accept my words that the years of your life may be many. And this goes back to what we mentioned a moment ago. This is not a promise that if we walk with the Lord that we'll live 
a uh, hundred years. It, it's nothing like that. But what it is, it's a principle that when we walk with the Lord, our lives will, will, be, will be protected in many ways because a lot of the decisions that we could make that would harm ourselves, we won't be making. You, if you don't take drugs, you're not going to die of a drug overdose. It's the same idea that we mentioned earlier. So the father's saying to his son, listen to me. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you have the best life that you can. So children, are you listening? Teenagers, are you listening? When, you're, when your dad says to you, hey, son, you don't need to do that. He's doing it because he loves you. He's doing it because he wants you to have the best life possible. That, that's his motive. That, that's what he's aiming for. That's what your mother is aiming for when she says those things. In verse 11, he says, I've taught you the way of wisdom. Now, the word for taught here, if you look at it in the Hebrew, is the verb form of the word Torah. And the Torah meant law. And generally, it referred to the first five books of the Old Testament. So this father isn't just sort of randomly teaching these kids. No, he is teaching them carefully and intentionally the words of God. There's purposeful, intentional Spiritual training going on here. That, that's what the Father's saying. I am teaching you. I'm training you in the ways of God. Carefully. But he also says, I've led you in the paths of uprightness. What's he saying here? I am walking the same path that I'm calling you to walk. Once again, we see this emphasis upon the example. That, that example is critical in teaching. And so in verse 12, he says, when you walk... In the way of righteousness, your steps are not going to be hampered. What's he saying? Well, when you do what's right, you don't have to worry about, oh, no, I did this. Am I going to get caught? I did this. I wonder if that's going to happen. Or you don't have to live with the regret of past sin. You don't have to live with the weight of, of things that you did in the past that, that later on in life you'll recognize were terrible and shouldn't have been done. You, you don't have to, to be weighted down by that kind of worry and fear and, and hardship. Instead, if you walk in the ways of the Lord's Son, you can just run free. You can just run free. You can just take off running. You don't have all of that baggage wearing you down, worrying you, troubling you. So your steps aren't going to be hampered. You'll run and not stumble. Verse 13, keep hold of instruction. Get a hold of what I'm saying to you. Much like an athlete would maintain their, their fitness through, through exercise and through a careful diet, he's saying, son, be, in, be intentional. Be serious about getting a hold of this, of maintaining it. In verse 13, he says, for she is your life. Again, we see the personification of wisdom. She's your life. This is where you're going to find the very best of life, uh, of living, son. If you walk in the ways of wisdom. Verse 14, he says, do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Don't go near it. Stay away from it. In verse 16, for they can't sleep until they do something wrong, until they've hurt other people. What's this mean? The way of the wicked? Well, they can't even sleep at night until they've hurt someone, until they've done something that harms another. They're so intent and committed to that. They're so committed to, to that which is evil and wrong. Verse 17, they eat the bread of wickedness. What are they... What, what gives them food and nourishment? It's to do evil. They, they long to do evil so much that it's, like, that it's like bread to them. And it's like wine to them. There's a sense in which they're 
they're inebriated, if you will, by, by, doing, by doing violence, by harming others. There's a thrill in it for them. It's almost like an addiction. And what we see, the father is saying to his son, is that when you do evil, it never stays small. When you sin, it never stays little. When you, when you choose to do that which is wrong, it always has a tendency to get bigger and to grow. And that's what we see here. It's going to overtake you, son, if you allow evil to thrive in your life. Verse 18. Now, don't take the path of the evil, but the path of the righteous. Well, it's like the light of dawn. Now, think about dawn as the sun is just beginning to rise. There's a little light, and then it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And that's exactly what happens for the righteous. What's the father saying to his son? If you'll commit to do what's right, your life can become more and more what God wants it to be. It can be, become brighter and brighter and brighter. And that's what God means for us to do. Once we come to know him, he means for us to become more and more like Jesus. Walking in the light. Walking in purity. Verse 19. But the way of the wicked is deep darkness. Interesting. The word that's used here for darkness is the very same word that's used uh, in the Exodus. When, when Moses is... Uh, uh, confronting Pharaoh. The ninth plague was darkness. God struck the land of Egypt with a darkness that was, that was almost palpable. And that's the exact word that you see here. These people who are wicked and evil, the darkness that they're in just becomes deeper and heavier. But the righteous path that I want you to take, son, I want it to become brighter and brighter. I want you to become more and more uh, committed to the ways of God, allowing him to shape and to change you. In verse 19, they don't even know over what they stumble. What does that mean? They don't even recognize that the way that they're living is bringing them great harm, that the way that they're living is, is hurting them. They don't even see that. Like they're living gladly in sin, and then they're wondering why life is so miserable. They don't see the connection, son, but I want you to see the connection. I want you to get it. That's what the father is saying here to his children. Now, often when a kid doesn't know uh, how to do something, might ask their dad, hey, dad, how, how do I do this? And so dads do things like teach you how to change a tire, or how to change a, a battery on a car, or, or maybe even more, depending on his level of knowledge or expertise. A dad might teach you how to throw a baseball or a softball, how to clean a fish or dress a deer. These are things that we kind of expect dads to, to pass on to their kids. But in this passage, this dad is not just doing those kinds of things, but he's passing on the faith to his kids. He's teaching them the word of God. Did dad teach you how to clean a fish? Sure. That's not all he taught me. He taught me a lot more than that. He taught me how to read the Bible and how to interpret it. He taught me how to pray and, and how to memorize Scripture. He taught me how to, to think through the difficult situations of life, the tough things in life that I face, and to apply, apply a biblical grid to them, to evaluate them in light of the Scriptures. Dads, this is what God wants us to pass on to our kids. Those other things, absolutely but we're in dangerous territory if we aren't focusing in on these things. 
So the power of dads is huge. So fathers, let's let it be huge for helping kids know Jesus and follow him. So build intentional time for training your children in the word of God. Build intentional time. If we're not intentional, it it probably won't happen. That's just the life we live in, as busy as everything is. So dads, I want to ask you, when are you intentionally training your children in the things of the Lord? So so maybe that, that could happen at dinner, and you could... You could eat together and you could spend five, ten minutes depending on the age of your kids and you could open up the Bible and and read a verse or two and talk about it. We provide family devotional sheets in the foyer for you that that go along with what the kids are learning here at church and, and what many of your classes on Sunday morning are studying. And it's a systematic plan to help you teach the scriptures from Genesis all the way to Revelation. So dads... Be intentional in teaching your kids the truths of God. Be be systematic. Have a plan. But not just that. Teach your kids about the things of God just in the day-to-day of life. You're taking your your son out to to, to work, uh, out on the farm with you. Well, use opportunities that come up to teach. You got a little one and you're, you're taking care of cows? Well, use that as an illustration to talk about how how God takes care of us. Or maybe it would be better to use sheep if you've got sheep. At any rate, make sure that all along the way, you're, you're teaching just, just in the day-to-day of life, not lecturing and making your kids, you know, want to run from you. No, just, just general teaching, just taking little opportunities here and there to, to teach them the Word. Help them see all of life from a Christian worldview. Help them understand that the Christian faith isn't meant to just be lived on a Sunday morning, but that the Christian faith and the, and the truth of scriptures is supposed to be applied to all of life. This situation has come up at school. Let's ask, what does the word teach us about it? Uh, this, this discussion about an ethical issue has come up in a high school, uh, in a high school class, maybe in a class on, on economics. Take them to the scriptures and let the scriptures guide and lead. At any rate, we want to help our children develop an understanding of what Scripture has to say on all of the issues of life. So we've seen that dads instill their faith by teaching. Next, Next, let's look at Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So these verses teach us that you instill your faith when you focus on the heart of your child. When you focus on the heart of your child. Uh, look at verse 20. My son, be attentive. Again, he calls his son to listen. And he uses uh, parts of the body metaphorically to help his kid understand. He said, let your ears hear what I'm saying. So, so listen. And let your, your eyes or let your sight Uh, Be fixed on what I'm telling you. In other words, look at them. Think about them. 
And then he says in verse 21, keep them within your heart. Now, what is our heart? Our heart is that part of us that, that kind of determines who we are, what we value, what we love, what's important to us. So he says, sons, I want you to treasure these things in your heart. Keep your eyes on them. Hear them. Verse 23, keep, guard your heart with all vigilance. Guard your heart. So, so this idea of, son, be careful what you let your heart love. Because what your heart loves is going to determine your life story. What, what, what you let your heart fall in love with, it's going gonna, it's gonna to determine the direction of your life. So, son, guard what you let into your heart. Guard what you love. Uh, guard what you cherish. And so... We understand the importance of the heart. Verse 24, be careful about your words, about your speech, and about your talk. We know that Jesus makes a connection between those in Luke 6, 45. Verse 25, let your eyes be directly forward. And here, the father's saying to his son, be careful because it's so easy to be distracted. There's so many things to chase after and to, to look at. Things that aren't bad necessarily, but just things that'll take your attention away. Hey, son, keep your eyes focused Keep looking ahead. It's, it's almost like a coach in the midst of a game saying to his, his players, hey, stay focused. You know what we're trying to do here. You stay at it. And that's what the father's saying to his son. You don't get distracted even by all the good things. Keep your focus on that which matters. In verse 26, he says, ponder your ways. So son, before you make important decisions, think about them. And this is where that import, the importance of having a solid knowledge of the scriptures are going to be important. Because before making important decisions, son, evaluate them according to the word of God so that you can head in the right direction. And verse 27, he says, don't take one step to the right or to the left. In other words, don't take any diversion off the path because that step of diversion could be the step that leads you far away from God. No, just stay dead center pursuing God, seeking Him, following after Him. So focus on the heart of your children, not just behavior, but the heart. That's what we see this father doing. Now, when quarters are made, they're made as blanks first, just just simple disks. And then they're ran through a machine that puts a ridge around the quarter. And then they are pressed between two dies, one head's, and one tails. And when that happens, the coin is imprinted by those two dies, and basically the coin is imprinted for life, you might say. Now, similarly, dads, our children's lives are going to bear our imprint, and they'll do so for life. Is the imprint that they'll bear an imprint that's good or not? What imprint are you leaving on the heart of your child? What imprint? We need to be very careful about turning the Christian faith into a list of do's and don'ts. Parents, if we're not careful, that's what we'll communicate to our kids. We'll communicate that the Christian faith is don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, do this, do this, you got to do that. And that's a terrible understanding of the Christian faith. That kind of moralism isn't compelling to anyone. What we want to help our kids do is recognize 
that the Christian life is about loving God from the heart and about being a part of what God's doing. What's, what, God, what is God doing? Well, he's redeeming people and calling people to himself. And those of us who know him get to play a part in that story. And so we want to communicate to our kids that the Christian life is really about jumping into the most exciting and most critical story of all, the story of God redeeming people to himself. It's about falling in love with him and growing closer to him. And then when our hearts are right, well, the external behavior, it'll line up. So parents, we've we got to be careful about focusing too much on the externals, particularly as the kids get older. And we've got to put the focus on the heart. A right heart is going to lead to right actions, to right behavior. So seek to imprint your child's heart, not just their behavior. I saw an interview of a young girl who was 13 when her family had gone up into Colorado to to climb in the mountains. They were kind of taking mountain trails. A whole family, some cousins were with them. And in the midst of one of these trails, suddenly there was a rock slide, and some of the rocks that came down were the size of, of cars. And in the midst of this rock slide, what this 13-year-old girl remembered was that as the rocks were coming down, her dad grabbed her, jumped on top of her, and pushed her under a rock that was bigger than she was. And she lived, and he died, and the rest of the family died. Isn't that a picture of what a dad is supposed to be? One who gives his life for the good of his family? There's probably not a dad in here today who wouldn't, if put in the same situation, wouldn't do the same thing because our hearts are for our kids. But dads, a true test of our faithfulness isn't going to be in those heroic moments. A true test of our faithfulness is going to be in the day-to-day, in the humdrum of life. Will we day in and day out strive to model a love and a passion for Jesus that makes our kids want to know him? That's day in and day out. Will we day in and day out seek to kind of train our kids and help them learn the word and help them love Jesus? Will you be a dad who gives his life for the good of his family? Will you make that sacrifice day in and day out, putting your life on the line, giving up yourself And we know there's no guarantee that even if we strive to to live this out, that our kids are going to follow Jesus faithfully. This is a fallen world. There's a chance that even if you strive to love God and love your kids and do everything you're supposed to, that your kids will still walk away. That's a possibility. This is a fallen world. But what we do know is that the opposite is surely true. That if we don't love God and we don't walk with Him, there's a good chance our kids won't. That's certainly true. So I've spoken mainly this morning to dads, but I want to say a few words to those of you who are moms. Most everything that I've said applies to you as well. So moms, will you lead your kids to love Jesus? Grandparents, will you pour into the, the hearts and lives of your grandkids for the sake of the Lord? And believers, will you seek to disciple others 
and to model a genuine Christian faith and to pour your life into other believers. Men, will, will you disciple other men? And ladies, will you disciple other ladies and help them grow in the faith? These principles are the same. This morning we've seen that dads are called to instill the faith in the lives of their kids by example, by purposeful teaching, and by focusing on the heart of the child, not just behavior. So dads, let's own this. Let's do this. Let's allow God to use us in great ways in the lives of our kids. And moms and, and, and grandmas and grandpas who are, who are maybe filling in when dad's not around or, or otherwise, then let God use you in a similar way. Many, many a person could say, the reason I'm the man I am today or the reason I'm the woman I am today is because I had a faithful mama so, so moms don't lose heart. If dad's AWOL or out of the picture, God can use you. But let's do this. Let's, let's do this. Let's pass on the faith to the next generation. And for, for those believers generally, let's pour our lives into others, discipling others. Now some of you who are here today, you have no earthly dad. You never met him. Or if you have, you, you really don't know him. But I want you to know that you can have a heavenly father. A heavenly father who will love you perfectly. Who will love you eternally. And and how, how do you do that? Well, the way that we can have God as our father is that we call out to God and we say to God, I know that that I've sinned. I know that I've done wrong and and I'm asking you to forgive me and I believe in in you. I believe Jesus came and lived and died and rose again and I want to follow him. And the Bible says that when you call out to God like that, that he will save you and that you'll become one of his children eternally. So maybe, maybe your earthly dad has let you down. But if you'll turn from your sin and believe, you can have a heavenly father who will hold you forever and ever who will take care of you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray for myself and 